Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We here love to hear how Velocity is making a difference in people's lives in our church. So if Velocity's made an impact on your life, please let us know. You can write us at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's message. We are celebrating today what God did through a cross and an empty tomb 2,000 years ago. So isn't it so good to celebrate that we have a brand new life in Christ? That's what that means. That's what the empty tomb means. We're in a series and closing it out today, if you're just joining us, called All Things New. And that's really what the empty tomb means, that in Christ, because of his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, we're made new. It's, it's not something if we work hard at it, it's not something for some people, it's not something if we try enough, but if we place our faith, our hope, our trust, our confidence in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, Scripture says all things are made new, and we call that salvation. Well, uh, what I want to do today as we close this out is uh, take a look at this truth one more time, how it applies to our lives. And uh, if you're just joining us, the past couple weeks we've talked about how, first of all, you belong here. And then last week we talked about this journey from here to there. I want to continue with this thought of this journey. Because the truth is, you're made new in a moment, but you still have to walk it out. Right? You're made new, but you still have to process it and, and live out what God has done. And we see this even in scripture. Uh, scripture I want to read to you today is from Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a little walk. We're going to take a little trip. Take a, take a little trip with me. Will you do that? Will you take a trip with me? Take a little stroll? Well, let's, uh, let's, let's get into this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for God's help to communicate with you and, and believe that God's going to show up. And then we're going to get into the scripture, into God's word. I'm going to explain it. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. And I believe you're going to leave different than how you came in. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth and what today represents, how you died on the cross for our sin you were buried, but you got up. You didn't stay dead. And God, because of that victory, that victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave, we're able to walk in newness of life. God, we're able to walk in the things that you've created for us and you've prepared for us. And so God, I ask you would help me today to communicate your truth, that we would hear it with fresh ears, that we would see it with fresh eyes, that we would be able to recognize, Father, uh, what you've been doing in our life all along. I thank you for it, God. Believe that you will in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I, uh, I, I talked to you about the couple, first couple weeks in this series. I always talked about you belong here from here to there. I'm calling this message today, There All Along. These, uh, these messages are so meta. You gotta be here for all of them. That's what happens when you don't miss a week. But uh, I always like to know who I'm talking to and I'm just curious, how many, of you, how many of you have ever got something wrong? Marissa, I'm going to need you to raise your hand on this one. Uh, I'm not we're not trying to start any fights. 
on, on this, uh, especially not on Easter. We're about building relationships, not, not tearing them down. I just, I just want to know that I'm not alone because I'm, I'm actually talking about myself here. Uh, recently, I was watching my kids. I, I say that like it doesn't happen that often. Uh, it's, it's called parenting. It's part of my problem, I think. Uh, I'm, I was watching my kids. What I'm trying to say is I was watching them uh, by myself. I, uh, m- my wife had, had gone out for the evening to do something fun. Uh, because I'm a selfless husband, I encourage her to do fun things like that. Uh, but it's not about me, it's about the Lord. And uh, she, she, was out, she was out doing her own thing, having some fun. And I've got the kids uh, by myself at home. And one thing you just got to know uh, about me, about things, you know, family, being at home, is, is whenever mom's out, we have something at our house called man party. Man, man party. Say man party so I know you're with me. Man party. It's pretty much like what you would expect, um, man party. You know, what that means is that we may have cereal and nachos for dinner. Uh, We'll skip baths completely. Uh, There's a very good chance we're going to sleep in our clothes. I'm just doing my part to prepare them for college, essentially. Uh, Now, it's taken a little bit of a twist because it's not just three boys that I have. Now I have a younger daughter, one, and it's not that she's you know, female or forbidden from participating. It's just the fact that, that she's young. And, and really, the, the truth of the matter is, while I've pretty much lost all hope of getting my boys to behave, with Pippa, my youngest daughter, I'm really trying to do the right thing. I, I'm really trying. And it's important that you know that and that I say that up front because you're going to judge me for what I say next. <laughs> I, I'm, I try and do the right thing, but without fail... Whenever my wife has an evening out by herself or with friends and I'm putting the kids to bed, without fail, I am unable to put my daughter in her pajamas. Now, it's not because I don't want to. It's simply because I don't really know what the difference is between pajamas and baby clothes. Like, let's be, can we just be honest? Like, really all baby clothes are pajamas. I mean, if they've got elastic and cotton, it's pajamas. But, but... This has been a reoccurring theme in our house, and, and my wife is trying to show, okay, these are pajamas, these are clothes. I don't know, they look the same to me, but anyways, she's pointed it out. Well, the other, the other night, this past week, she goes out, I'm at home, putting the kids, and I'm telling you, friends, I am looking high and low for pajamas to put my daughter in. I'm searching, and I, I look, I, I know what pajamas look like now, pajamas. I, I know what they look like. There is none there. I checked their dirty clothes. There's some in there, but I'm not falling for that trap. I'm not gonna put my, my daughter in, in dirty clothes pajamas. So, so I do the best I can, find the softest thing I can, put her to bed. My wife comes home, and uh, because this is the way our relationship works, I say, babe, just so you know, you're, you're gonna get Pippa up in the morning. When you get her up, you're gonna see that she's not in pajamas. But I want you to know, it's not because I don't know what pajamas look like now. I looked. There are no pajamas in the closet. I'm telling you. At which point my wife walks into my daughter's room, comes out in about 0.5 seconds later, and she said, you mean these pajamas? You, you mean these ones right here that I set on the changing table? I said, wait, we have a changing table? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, it's just, it's amazing how you can miss something that's right in front of you. You can be so close to it. Not even recognize it. And, and maybe for me, it's my daughter's pajamas. Maybe for you, it's unable to recognize good fashion when it's in front of you. Is that even an Easter outfit? I don't, what is he wearing? What kind of church is this? I'm just, I'm just saying that the truth is, 
It's not that you can't see it, or just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. The truth is, it's there all along. It's there all along. And I want to use that thought as a launching pad for our message today, because, look, I know this probably isn't your first Easter service ever. If it is, welcome. So glad that you would choose here to have your first church experience, your first Easter experience. But for, for most of you, it's probably not your first one ever. You, you've, you've been to Easter sermons before. Uh, I, I'm not naive enough to think that you're not even maybe a little bit familiar with the Easter story, but I am curious if you've ever really read the scriptural account. And that's what I want to do today because, I mean, just to catch you up on the details in case you don't know, Jesus, he got up from the grave and he's got 40 days on earth before he ascends into heaven. And this is just kind of the play-by-play. He, he, he conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave. It, it was the knockout punch uh, to what the devil had planned. Thought he had won, but Jesus was just getting started. The scripture talks about how there was an earthquake that shook the land just to mark how monumental this was, the significance of it. Uh, the tomb that he was put into that was sealed, an angel came and opened it up that allowed the women who were the first ones on the scene to peer inside, see that the tomb was empty. So Jesus, he sticks around long enough to speak to a woman by the name Mary Magdalene. You may have heard of her if you're familiar with Bible stories at all. And then I'm reading this. I'm thinking, okay, so far so good. I'm imagining that what's going to happen next is he's going to appear to some of his disciples, let them know, hey, I'm back. I told you this was going to happen. And in a sense, he does that. He, he does that. But what he does next, it's a little bit strange because I, I want to pick up a story here. And it's in Luke's account. He tells us that two of Jesus' followers, now they were followers, not necessarily the 12 disciples, people who had received from his ministry and his message, people who were acquainted with Jesus, two of Jesus' followers, they had heard all these accounts, all these things I just told you. They were familiar with all those details, but yet they didn't take them seriously enough to alter their plans to leave Jerusalem and head to a town called Emmaus. And this is where I want to pick up the story. And look, I don't even care if you know where Luke is in the Bible. Uh, we'll put the words on the screen so you can follow along. I just want you, I just want you to take a walk with me. I, I just want you to picture yourself on this journey, on this trip, taking a stroll with these two people who, as of yet, remain nameless. They don't even know their names. Just two strangers, two travelers who were just like you and me, walking along. And this is what Scripture says in Luke 24, 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, uh, Emmaus is interesting because no one even knows where Emmaus is today. I mean, you try and look in Bible map. Nobody really knows. The reason nobody knows where Emmaus is is because it wasn't even considered significant enough in that day to there where we have any archaeological evidence of it today. So it seems really crazy to me that one of Jesus' first appearances, he gets, I mean, he's only got 40 days to do this thing. He gets up from the grave, sees Mary, and then the next place he goes is to a place that's so insignificant. What's so insignificant in its day that we can't even point to a map and tell you where it is? He goes there 
to meet these two people. Why would God do that? Well, I think, I think maybe, maybe it's because he wants to show us something about separation. Separation. This is the first thing I want to talk to you about, separation. They're walking toward Emmaus, but I told you Emmaus is insignificant. So it's really not about Emmaus. It's about where they're walking from. So they were walking from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, while Emmaus is insignificant, Jerusalem is very significant. Jerusalem, that's the place where Jesus died. That's the place where they just celebrated the Passover. That's the place where Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come. That's the place where the action was. That's the place where the disciples were supposed to stay. And yet Jesus walks away from the place where the Holy Spirit's coming to this place that we can't even tell you where it is. Why would he do that? Maybe it's because it's not about where they were going. Maybe it's because it was about the people, the, the people who had separated themselves from where they were supposed to be. And Jesus goes after them. See, I, I gotta tell you this, because sometimes we act like Jesus is only looking for perfect people. But what we see in the resurrection story, you read the account, is that Jesus got up from the grave and he walks along this dirty road to go after two people who've separated themselves from where they belong. And this is crazy. Because, I mean, I want you to picture like, just exactly what's taking place here. Jesus is the word, the eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. John talks about how the word became flesh and dwelt in us. The word that created heaven and earth. He's just conquered death, hell, and sin, and the grave. Sin, the thing that separated us from God. He's defeated that. And now he's been given the name which is above every name. He's been exalted. And simultaneously, while that's happening, he goes after these two unnamed people have separated themselves from the purposes of God, the plans of God, the, the promises of God. And he says, these are the ones that I want to go after. These are the ones that I want to hang out with. Now, this, like, just imagine this. What kind of God would do that? Like, if I got up from the grave, I want to find some people to celebrate with. Like, like if I got, like, we're going to pop something. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to do something. To, this is an occasion. But in this, in this instance, he goes after some people who'd walked away, who, who'd separated themselves, what kind of God would do that? Maybe, maybe it's the same kind of God that would speak to you out of a crowd, bring you to a place like this, a place where maybe even you, yourself, the fact that you're here, you feel a little bit separated. Yeah, you're here, but I mean, it's just, why would people celebrate? Like, what's the whole, what's the whole deal with people gathering? Why, why would it even sing songs? Like, what does all this mean? You're here, but just feel separated. And like, like, maybe you don't fit in. What kind of God would do that? Just the same, same kind of God that would speak to you in this moment. And I'm just saying that because you might think you have to be perfect before you can go on this journey. You might think you have to clean yourself up before God will come close to you. But I'm just telling you that the perfect, the flawless son of God turned his back on Jerusalem, turned his back on the holy city 
to go towards some people who had separated themselves and walked away. Could it be possible, could it be possible that maybe we're looking for God in the wrong places? Could it be possible that maybe we've given up on finding God because we know that we've walked away? And could it be possible that maybe God has been there all along, there all along, in the separation? See, if they really believed that Jesus was going to get up from the grave, they would have never left Jerusalem. But they didn't. And Jesus followed them to the wrong place because grace will chase you down. I'm just trying to tell you that God will go out of his way to meet you. Maybe it's a strange set of circumstances that you would be here today. I'm just telling you, it's not by accident. God will go out of his way to meet you. They didn't invite Jesus. They didn't pray. They didn't go to church. They didn't memorize a verse. They didn't even sing a hymn. And yet Jesus shows up on the scene. All they did was walk. They're walking along the road and he shows up. And this is what scripture says. And they were talking with each other about everything that happened. So in other words, they're, they're recounting these events that I just shared with you. They're, they're going over all these details, the empty tomb, the angel, the women are seen. They're talking about all this stuff and, and they're trying to make sense of it because they don't understand it. And can I just tell you something about that? See, if, if you're looking for God with your understanding, in other words, like, I'll start this journey when I understand, you're never gonna move beyond where you're standing. I know you didn't come to church for a Latin lesson today, but that is what the etymology of understanding means, to stand in the presence of. Your understanding is not gonna grow till you go. You, you wanna understand, you gotta take a step. And here's the, the cool thing about it. As you step out, that's when he steps in. See, here, here's the truth. There, there's a verse I like in the Bible. It's in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. In other words, you go, and he'll guide. You step out, he steps in. You, you want to understand, you got to take a step. But we get so caught up in thinking that we got to have it all figured out. We get so caught up in thinking that we got to know it all. But what if Christianity is not about the destination? It's not about Emmaus. What if it's about the journey? Well, what if, well, what, what if that's what it means to follow God? It's what he wants to reveal to you along the way. What if salvation is the starting block, not the finish line? Well, what if you don't have to find out to step out? What if you don't have to know the reason before you start walking on the road? See, that's all these two were doing, is walking. And that's what I'm trying to tell you, is that he was there in the separation, and he was there in the uncertainty. The uncertainty. That's what Scripture says. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, and walked along with them, right there with them, even when they were uncertain, even when they were unsure, even when they didn't understand. And sometimes you're not gonna understand everything. Sometimes on your journey, you're not gonna understand everything you go through, why you had to go through that divorce, why that relationship turned out the way it did. 
why it still hurts whenever you see them. But right in the middle of the uncertainty, Jesus shows up and he inserts himself into their situation. Scripture says, but they were kept from recognizing him. I wonder, have you been kept from recognizing resurrection that's right in front of you? Have you been kept from seeing what God is doing in your life? Because you're trying to make sense of the situation. It's interesting to me that it doesn't say that they couldn't recognize him. It doesn't say that they didn't recognize him. It says that they were kept from recognizing him. And I think resurrection begins in our life when we start asking the question, what's keeping me from recognizing what God is doing right in front of me? What's keeping me from seeing the ordinary moments of joy? I'm missing these ordinary moments of joy because I'm looking for everything to be perfect. I'm missing out on the miracle because all I can see is the mess. I'm missing out on opportunities to give something because all I can see is my own self-centeredness. What's keeping you from recognizing what God is doing? They didn't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. And I wonder if the same thing that kept them from recognizing Jesus is the same thing that keeps us from recognizing him. I wonder if there's a clue in the text because it's kind of weird what happens. They're, They're walking along. They're talking about what happens. Jesus shows up on the scene, and then he asks them this question. He, he says, hey, what, what you guys talking about? He says, what are you discussing as you walk along? And in verse 17, it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. You know, maybe they didn't recognize him because of the sorrow that made them hang their head. You know, that's what I want to talk to you about next. Is, is the sorrow. I want to talk about the sorrow. See, see these, these people are sad because it didn't go as they thought. It didn't end as they thought. And Luke says something interesting. He says, they stood still. They stopped walking. And see, sometimes the things you go through will stop you in your tracks. So, so sometimes the pain and the hurt that we endure is so bad, we don't feel like we can take another step. And maybe we feel like in those moments where we've been hurt, where we've endured pain, where something happened and we're sad, maybe we know we stopped. We stopped moving forward and we feel like we got left behind. But what I wanna point out to you is that apparently Jesus stopped with them So he was even there in their sorrow. They're sad, but Jesus enters their sadness. He meets them where they're at and he says, tell me about it. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what you're going through. Tell me what you're experiencing. And see, this next part is so fascinating because if all you think of when you see the Bible is a rule book, you will miss out on how it's supposed to speak to your situation and guide your life. And I'm just telling you, if you can make this beyond just some kind of Easter tradition, if you could just get here, I will show you how this thing applies to your life. You will see God at work in your life in ways that you never expected. See, he's not intimidated by your skepticism. 
He's not at a loss for your questions. Your, your broken heart and broken past can't chase him away. And he walks right up to those walls that you've put up in your heart with your pain and your sorrow, and he speaks to your heart. So one of them finally works up the nerve to ask the question, and we finally get a name. This is one of them, Cleopas. In all fairness, if my name was Cleopas, I probably wouldn't give him my name either. But he asked him, are you the one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these days? Now, this is ironic because Cleo, that's what his friends call him. Cleo, he launches in telling Jesus about all the things that have happened to Jesus. And you know God has a sense of humor because, look, Jesus lets him talk. He says, what things? Like he's talking to Jesus about Jesus. He says, what things? Tell me what happened. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Okay, so now we get to the real reason. It's because of an expectation, or rather, an unmet expectation. We had hoped. We had hope. We had put our hope and it didn't go the way we expected, and now we're disappointed. Didn't go the way we expected. I, th I thought I'd be married by now. I, I thought I'd be further along by now. I'd I expected this situation to turn out different. I expected them to be good to me after all that I did for them. I didn't expect to still have to deal with the same issue 20 years into marriage. I had a hope, and it didn't go like I expected. We had hoped. And their unmet expectation has left them disappointed. But notice, Jesus didn't show up in their hope. He showed up in their hurt. He, he, he didn't show up in their future dreams, but in their present disappointment. And maybe that's God's word to some of you. Is don't judge the journey before it's over. Don't, don't judge this journey that you're on. It's a seven-mile journey. Don't judge it when you're only on mile two. See, there might be some disappointments, but trusting God means trusting in his path. There might be some things that don't go like you expect, but I want to tell you that even in your unmet expectation, he's there. They don't recognize him, and all along, he's been there. And he's trying to reveal himself to them all along. He spent his whole life telling people to follow him. And now he's following them. They almost don't recognize him because it seems so common. I mean, it just seems like it's just a road. It's just a walk. It's just a stroll. It's just a man. It's just a journey. It's just a sermon. It's just a Sunday. It's just another Easter tradition. And they almost don't recognize what's happening. And so they keep going on explaining, and we do the same thing. We try and rationalize our pain, our sorrow, the, way, the reason things didn't turn out. We explain away our disappointment. They say, and what's more, it's the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. They found it just a woman said, but they did not see Jesus. And he says to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. See, that's the problem, isn't it? We're slow to believe. We're slow to believe. We keep trying to figure out the reason. And we can't figure out the reason, so we jump off the road. But see, it starts in your heart. 
And if you would flip it, if you believe in your heart what you can't see with your eyes, believe in the goodness of God, believe that he's been there all along, you'd begin to see that this journey doesn't start with making sense. It starts with faith. Just keep reading. It says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scriptures concerned himself. See, he goes on to give them an explanation. You got to give him a chance to give you answers, but he, he gives the answers along the way. He breaks it down along the road. You got to take a step first. You got to walk with him. It was while they were walking, while they're on the journey. And says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And see, God always wants to take you farther than you can go on your own. He, he will. And he meets you where you're at. So the journey starts where you are, but where it ends is up to you. Because it says they, they urged him strongly. Jesus, they don't know his Jesus yet, but they say, hey, although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let go. It's unnatural. Actually, they, they didn't say that. That's just how I read it into the text. But they said, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So we went in to stay with them. And this is the good part. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? In other words, he was there all along. He, he was there on the journey. All along he was there. But we didn't see it. We, we couldn't recognize it. And see, sometimes you can't recognize that he's there for the journey until you look back. Sometimes we don't recognize that he's there when we walked away. That He's there when it didn't make sense. That he was there in the middle of our sorrow. When it didn't go the way we expected, he was there for the journey. You can only see it when you look at it in reverse. You can only see that Jesus has been there all along and you didn't even see it. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe we can't really see him completely until we do like these two people and invite him in.